This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Saturday Squeeze is your shortcut to being informed weekend style. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, this week we've got footy. We've got defamation, quite a bit of defamation, actually, and we're back on the economy. (laughs) It's time to talk inflation again, Kate, and interest rates, (laughs) so that's going to be exciting for everyone. Uh, Also got a few things to watch. That's Squeeze Recommends. Let's get into it. Most clicked link out of the Squeeze Today email, Claire, this week was to the news that a stretch of Venice's Grand Canal turned fluorescent green. It did look rather funky, I must admit, so Mm. I can appreciate why people wanted to check it out. (laughs) At the time, no one was sure why it was green, but now we know. Now we do know. And look, I have to say the answer actually isn't that interesting. (laughs) It was due (laughs) to the presence of something (laughs) called um, fluorescein, and that's a non-toxic substance, and it's used to test (laughs) wastewater networks. It's so boring. <laughs> Sorry. Don't you just hate it when something that could have been really, really interesting mm. turns out to be not interesting at all? No. Not worthy of the biggest <laughs> click of the week anyway. No. Let's move on. Biggest story of the week. Um, and this week, Claire, we pulled the data from Google Trends, which shows us the most searched news story. It was State of Origin. Yeah, and, of course, that's a huge part of the NRL calendar, New South Wales versus Queensland. Uh, Queensland game one, Kate, how did Queensland manage to pull that off? It was just really quite something and certainly not the topic of conversation in our office, the game. It was why was it in Adelaide? (laughs) I wanted to talk about the result sort of reluctantly, given I'm a New South Wales fan, but most of the conversation went to, yeah, why was it in Adelaide? What's that about? Um, mm. SMH journalist Malcolm Knox summed it up well in the opening line of his article after the New South Wales lost Claire, and then we'll get into the Adelaide part. He said, like Adelaide, New South Wales started this year's Origin Series half an hour behind. <laughs> I really I liked that. that. I really enjoyed that. I don't know anything about you, Malcolm, but I thought that was pretty great. Um, but you don't really do rugby league uh, in South Australia. So the decision itself, when the NRL announced it, actually did cop a fair whack of criticism. does come down to the dollars, though, Claire. Yep, as so much in life does. According to the reports, Mm. the NRL received about $5 million from the South Australian government to have that game in Adelaide. And it's the same sort of figure that they'll receive from the Victorian government. The series will head there to the MCG in 2024 and 2026. Yeah, so at the nub of it, it's really a tourist and play for both of those governments. I read that around 15,000 fans at the game came from New South Wales and Queensland. The rest were locals. Adelaide Tourism said hotels had their highest midweek occupancy rate in more than a decade. So it's paying for itself. Yeah, a difficult sell though for NRL HQ. I imagine there would have been a few headaches in the lead up to that to sell tickets, but they did end up getting 48,000 odd people there going to that game. And we don't know how much the tickets actually sold for, but to compare that, the next game's at Suncorp Stadium in Queensland. It'll sell out with a capacity around 52,000. Tickets will be much more expensive though, I would say. Before we move on, I wanted to finish on this story. I thought you'd have a giggle, Claire. Apparently the NRL had a poster up during Gather Round. So that was the AFL's big event a couple of weeks ago in South Australia that read, real footy is coming to Adelaide. 
it did not go down well. <laughs> that would Can not you go down. Not go down well with an <laughs> AFL crowd who really think that they play real football. And look, it's just one of those things. These state rivalries, they are real and very, very fierce. And it's not just between New South Wales and Queensland. Oh, surely is not. Let's move on to the new story we're talking about. Claire, you foreshadowed this last week. I know you've been a very close watch, Robert. You've recommended a podcast all about it before. Ben Robert Smith and his defamation case came to an end this week. It was a year after the trial wrapped up before we got the verdict. What, on Thursday we got the verdict? Yeah, and look, we won't go into the ins and outs, but just for the quick whip of the background, Mm. uh, he's, of course, the recipient of the Victoria Cross. Uh, He sued The Age, the Sydney Morning Herald and the Canberra Times over reports that linked him to alleged war crimes. Um, Also, they said that he bullied his own colleagues uh, and there were claims that he assaulted a woman that he was having an extramarital relationship with. I mean, there's so many ins and outs to this one around the decision and how they came to it. Mm. You actually talked about it in Squiz Today yesterday. I guess the conversation we've been having, and again, like I sort of said last week, when you work in media, you're more interested in this stuff. But Mm. um, it was the reporting of it, the immediate reporting of it. And depending on where you looked, the headlines were very different. For example, the Sydney Morning Herald splashed with an online headline, murderer, war criminal, bully. It's quite a fall from grace. And when you see those words so very clearly, Mm. it is actually quite stunning. Um, And that's sort of what we pointed to last week as well, that it would either be shattering and a big blow to his reputation. He, of course, is one of Australia's most decorated soldiers, uh, or it would inflict a very expensive blow on the newspapers. And it's very most definitely the former of those two. Yeah, so absolutely a win for the newspapers. Reputationally, it would have been terrible for them as well. Um, And, you know, lots of journalists watching this very, very closely. What we talked about, I guess, between you and I is how it actually got to this. How was it that the Mm. court would come to the conclusion that Ben Robert Smith is a war criminal and a bully? It's pretty extraordinary given no criminal charges in any way, shape or form have ever been laid. No, and this all comes down to how our defamation laws work. So remember, this is a case that Ben Robert Smith brought himself. He was the one to put up his hand to say, hey, newspapers, you can't say that stuff about me. Uh, It's harmed my reputation and you need to pay for the damage that's been done. Yeah, it's taking me back to the shortcut you and I did last year, Claire, in anticipation of this very moment. Mm -hmm. We probably peaked a bit early on this one, but it's worth a listen. (laughs) Peaked a bit too early. (laughs) (laughs) We went through a case study of Janine, a carpenter, and Tim, her client. I'll put a link to that episode in your show notes, but Tim and Janine is the example that that really does work to understand what this is all about. Okay, bringing it all back, Tim and Janine, they had quite a saga there. (laughs) Um, So just to summarise it here, um, the nub of defamation law is not really about what's being said. Um, The bigger question is about whether it's defensible. And Ben Robert Smith said that what was written about him wasn't true, but the publishers of The Age, the Sydney Morning Herald and the Canberra Times said, look, we reckon we can defend our journalism because we reckon what we've published is true. And that's what the case was about. Yeah. So the judge found that he murdered unarmed prisoners while deployed in Afghanistan. He said it was also proven that he had bullied fellow soldiers, but not that he had committed an act of domestic violence against women. 
Yeah, so there's a bit of a twist about that last one. Um, Because of the other allegations and because they had been proven, the judge found that the accusation that he had assaulted a woman didn't further harm Ben Robert Smith's reputation and his claim for defamation on that specific allegation was dismissed. I guess the big question is for me when I read that uh, and when they're now publishing things like murderer, bully, all of these things, where does this go next? Of course, Ben Robert Smith has a big bill to pay. The size of the cost hasn't been disclosed yet. That right? Yeah, exactly. So that will come. There'll be that uh, hearing that they have around exactly the size of those damages. And of course, both sides will have um, cases to put mm. about whether that's too much or too little. Um, also, I guess you can't rule out an appeal from Ben Robert Smith either yeah. about the whole finding. So there's still a bit to go when it comes to the courts. Um, there's also this question about criminal charges. And of course, finding in the civil court that there's a murder um, claim that has been proven doesn't mean that it could be proven in a criminal case. Uh, Criminal cases have a much higher burden of proof and that, Ah. of course, as we know, if you've watched any of those police procedural dramas, it's about being beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, In civil cases, it's about what could be proven on the balance of probabilities. So as for where the charges against Ben Robert Smith are being looked at, uh, he is a suspect in federal police investigations into those alleged war crimes. Uh, That's a whole process that's still ongoing. It's a huge, huge story. It's just got so many bits and pieces to it. The long and the short of this one, though, it is a really big win for The Age, for the Sydney Morning Herald, for the Canberra Times. And look, for some, perhaps a surprising one, because the media often complain about how strict our defamation laws are here in Australia that prevent them from reporting stories they say are in public interest. So for them, they've taken a huge punt even reporting this stuff. So then to win this, huge. Mm. And it was interesting to listening to the executives from Nine after that case saying, of course, it's a big deal for the families of those people in Afghanistan too who were murdered. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, a lot of very interesting things to come out of this and still a long way to go. So we'll hear more about it, no doubt, in the coming weeks and months. Coming up next week, Claire, tomorrow night, Bruce Lehrman. The man accused of assaulting Brittany Higgins is doing an interview with Liam Bartlett on Channel 7. That will no doubt make some news. People have views about whether that interview should be done or not, but it is going to air 7pm on their show Spotlight. Yeah, I don't know if it's the one where it's appropriate to say that you're getting the popcorn out for, but I absolutely yeah. will be watching that. I'm yeah, sure I many too. people will be very interested to hear what he has to say. Um, Kate, Monday it's a public holiday for anyone in Western Australia, so good luck to you. Uh, Also, it's World Environment Day. It always cracks me up how you wish people good luck when they're just getting something gifted to them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not jealous at all. No, not not jealous at all. all. Um, Tuesday is the monthly rates decision, Claire. As we said in the intro, we've left this alone for a few weeks, but something happened this week that means it's going to be front and centre of the news again. Inflation went back up. Yeah. And look, To start with, I guess, 
look, I don't know how far to go down this rabbit hole and how interesting people find it, but... <laughs> Take a pun. There's <laughs> quarterly reporting of our inflation data. That's the CPI, and that really is the big one. Uh, what the Bureau of Stats has done recently, though, is start reporting monthly data, and we've got to look at that this week. So it's what they say happened in April. Uh, they say that things like food, transport, and recreation prices have gone up quite a bit. <laughs> Talk to me about underlying inflation, though, Claire. Another economic term to add to the list. <laughs> Kate, I don't know if you're just humouring me here or whether this is <laughs> no, really like genuinely interested in. I am. I am. If no one else is, they can stop listening, but no. I am. <laughs> okay, so the CPI is what they call uh, headline inflation. Underlying inflation is this sort of smaller number and it really goes into the nuts and bolts uh, of what the mainstream is looking like. So mm. it takes out things that are really up and down, things like fuel prices, things like banana prices because they can get knocked out in a cyclone and prices spike. So, Oh, I see. So sort of like if everything was sort of situation normal or something. Exactly. If everything was sort of just bumbling along like it normally does, what's actually happening? Mm. And it's really important that they look at that because it does take out all of those big headline events that really scream at you like, you know, oil prices have doubled. It tries to normalise it a bit. I guess the reason why we're talking about it is because underlying inflation didn't actually go up. So, um, you know, there was plenty of headlines about it, but um, that's fairly stable. We can easily get caught up on what Philip Lowe says, Claire, the head of the RBA. Plenty of others, though, making warnings about various things of note. And this week, the CEO of Wes Farmers, Rob Scott, uh, he did his strategy day with investors and he obviously spoke to media because he was everywhere for about three hours on Wednesday morning. Mm. That's the company that owns Bunnings, Officeworks, Kmart, Priceline, so big, big retail companies. He made some fairly bold comments. I thought they were interesting about what we can expect from the economy, what he thinks we can expect from the economy. Mm. He says productivity has stalled. He says this means wages won't go up because businesses are starting to struggle. He also said his observation is that consumers are being more value conscious. Long story short? Yeah. Well, long story short, it's really interesting to hear from the retailers about what's happening because they're yeah. very, very much in touch with what shoppers are doing and, you know, really where they're pinching their wallets, where they're spending. So uh, what he is saying is that there's some choppy times ahead, that inflation is going to be an issue, uh, that if we do stop spending, that it means that all of us are going to be under pressure because, of course, jobs start to go, uh, of course, things are being a bit more more expensive and if wages aren't keeping up there's a pinch there uh, is all sorts of things that are playing out at the moment it really does point to a pretty difficult six to twelve months coming up he said yeah basically choppy times layer that on top of the fact that our mate philip Lowe, back to philip Lowe, called out that rents will keep on going up as housing supply can't keep up with demand We've got some interesting times ahead, Claire. Doom and gloom, yeah, hey? Yeah, that's enough of that, I reckon. Uh, interest rate <laughs> day, though, just a short term around the corner. That's Tuesday, so lots of things going on there. Um, Thursday, Kate, the Sydney Film Festival kicks off, and in Tassie, it's dark mofo, so some really big cultural things happening. I've never been to Hobart, Claire, in all of my travels. And what? I've, I've travelled a fair amount in Australia. I know. I don't know oh, how. Wow. And it's on my bucket list. On to Squeeze Recommends. My recommendation this week, Claire, is for the show Utopia on ABC. 
Wednesday night, the fifth season drops, Claire. For those who don't know, it's Working Dog who produce it, which did Frontline yeah. and The Hollow Men. Um, your favourite show, Have You Been Paying Attention? Yeah. I really want to get you on that show. <laughs> I'm not funny enough. <laughs> oh, I think you're pretty funny. You just get everything right. That would be the problem. <laughs> not competitive at all. <laughs> Um, they also do the cheap sheets, yeah. which I'm really enjoying, I've got to say. They're top-notch shows, but utopia. Yeah, so good. And, of course, as we both have worked in government, we've worked with plenty of departments we understand. Uh, how utopian some events in our past lives actually <laughs> were. Uh, and also, you know, pleasingly, how sometimes it's completely off the mark, but it's a lot of fun, that's for sure. It's Rob Sitch who's the lead in it, which people would know. Kitty Flanagan as well. It's about... Um, a guy who runs a public service um, department and it's tough. It's rough out there for him and it's very, very, Just very Just getting funny. stuff done is really hard. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, Claire, someone at Stan must be listening to us. I reckon. I reckon that's exactly what happened. Uh, and that's because Tina, the documentary that we talked about last week when I said it was probably the best thing I watched in 2021 and couldn't find mm. it anywhere, it's popped up on Stan. I'm sure it's got nothing to do with people going to Stan and typing in Tina <laughs> Turner documentary. No. Wouldn't. They yeah. just heard you mention it. Yeah. Exactly and they put right. it up. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the influence. Um, it's absolutely on my list now. Oh, you'll love it. Well, I need something because, of course, Succession's over, Claire. Mm. Both you and I very much enjoyed that. You almost obsessively. It's probably, <laughs> like, your favourite thing ever. I could talk right? about Succession, I think, pretty much all day. All I wanted to do after watching it on Monday was take Tuesday off and just read all of the commentary about mm. what just unfolded. We won't give any spoilers here. We'll give you a bit of time to absorb yeah. all of that. Um, but, yeah, just a stunning, stunning show. Come to think of it, you actually um, didn't do a lot, a whole lot of work on Tuesday morning. Oh, I think that's very unfair, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> you cancelled a couple of meetings, didn't you? No. Well, you know, I'm not saying anything. Um, <laughs> Sarah Snook, though, she is popping up in a movie. It's out on the 28th of June, but it'll also feature at the Sydney Film Festival. Um, I think I'm up for a bit more Snook action, so I'm ready to go. Run, Rabbit, Run is what it's called. It's Hannah Kent's first film script. Mm. So Burial Rights, she wrote. Um, mm. She's a very, very popular author. Um, and Sarah Snook's the lead in this movie. And we thought that might be just a good, you know, a good call out for people as we head closer to that. And if you, yeah, need your Sarah Snook fix, she's going to be back. Yeah, later this month on Netflix, it's a thriller yeah, bit of a interesting. Bit of a mystery thriller. So, yeah, I reckon that'll be great. I'll definitely put that on my list for sure. So many more recommendations in the Saturday Squeeze newsletter. If you're not signed up, highly recommend doing so. You can do that on our website and I'll pop a link in your show notes to do that as well. Let's quickly finish off with Squeeze Press, Claire. Squeeze Press this week, um, probably just a quick one. A heads up that we're putting out two shortcuts a week at the moment, in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> so taking on board that feedback from our survey that you want a bit more international news from us, we're trying to focus at least one on international news each week. There's mm. so much happening at the moment, so we don't really have to bend over backwards to do it. And look, the shortcuts, if you haven't been onto them, they're just such great background information. Uh, we do it how we always do it, short and to the point, 
mm. but engaging and still some really good details that you might not have heard anyone else, even if you're a little bit across these topics. I heard Alex say in the podcast this week that shortcuts are a bit of everything, and I think he was bang on this week. <laughs> two shortcuts, as promised. One on Turkey's new president and one on whale migrations. <laughs> That's variety, isn't it? We can definitely (laughs) deliver you a spread of topics. And look, it really comes down to the things that we talk to each other and look across the news and things that are happening. It's like, I want to know more about that. Um, President Erdogan, who is Turkey's ongoing president, uh, is really quite a character to know. So that's a really good one. And of Mm. course, we were talking too about the whales. It's like, how on earth does that work? Like it's this is often yeah. how these conversations go. Like, what's that about? about? So, we got into that yeah. really interesting. And of course, Kate, you had a really good head start on that being a girl from Bermagui. Yeah, but I love how you all thought I knew about it because I'd seen <laughs> seen them a lot. I don't know anything about. Well, you do them. now, but I do now. Ask me anything about whales, <laughs> and I got this. Pretty I'm much. putting down in your um, CV for this year, ballooning expert. <laughs> whale expert. Oh, only really keen listeners of Saturday Squiz will get that joke, but we'll leave it with you. Shortcuts is found by searching for Squiz Shortcuts in your podcast app uh, if you didn't know about it. Do us a favour and give us a follow when you get there, and that means you'll get alerts when a new episode drops, which is always handy. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.